I'm Blake Hargreaves, and this is Future Stops. The music you're hearing is Carolise Coverdale, performing on the organ at Montreal's Church of the Holy Name of Jesus in 2019. Carverdale is a seasoned church organist who, as a teen, was working at churches all over southern Ontario before finding her own voice as a composer and improviser. Today on Future Stops, we explore the work of Carolise Coverdale and the path that led her from playing the organ in Sunday service to the world of experimental music and modern composition. Like many Canadian journeys, hers starts as part of a tightly knit immigrant community. I was going to church at a very young age because I was a member of the Hamilton Estonian Society. And I, I think from age five or so, I was doing Estonian school in Hamilton in the basement of the church. And we would often have our performances and our shows over the year connected to church service. So we would often sing or perform in the church as well. And so I grew up singing and kind of aware of the church tradition. And when I was 13, I was already actually, I was performing piano often in the church as a soloist because I started piano when I was five. And so I was already performing at that time. And the organist was looking to kind of get some time off more or less. And she asked me if I would like to learn and take over. And I said, sure. I mean, I, I wanted a, another job <laughs> as well. And so I, um, I started learning the liturgy and learning the craft um, at 13. And that was kind of my experience. I mean, I just kind of like went full in. It was a lot to learn initially, but improvisation is so integral to the entire church service. I don't think you can do it um, unless you can, because there just needs to be so much. Um, there's so much change in the calendar and in the requirements of any given service. To make it work properly, you need to be like adapting all the time. It's a very, it requires like hyper-presence um, in like a musical translation sense. Every interval seems to have some sort of poetic weight. performance tradition I grew up with was so formal and um, like high class. There was this obsession with high class that drove me insane. Like, um, like having to dress up for performance drove me nuts. Um, I, you know, I was doing a lot of competition when I was young and I hated 
like having to wear like concert attire and it was just like you have to buy into this aristocracy or something <laughs> with with it. I don't think this is the case as much anymore, but like there's a certain degree of like eliteness that accompanies classical music traditions that I never felt akin to. And um yeah, I I loved um, everything that was kind of challenging that. Searching for music that challenged the classical traditions of her conservatory education, Coverdale turned to Napster, the early online music sharing service where anyone with an internet connection could find virtually any music they wish. There was just a whole world that I had not been exposed to, and uh, it was amazing. I mean, that that period of it was like a, a period of pure like shock in a way of just like hearing things that were like so beyond my immediate grasp. It was a beautiful time, really. I think that first time like hearing all that difference and learning there's more like I was just so Western canonized to a certain point that that exclusivity like I just made created so much frustration in me over time that I. Uh, I wasn't even sure until several years later that it was frustration, like 10 years later after Napster, <laughs> that I was like mad over certain things. Like I didn't even know what I was mad about, but you know, like I never had any, any diverse role models. You know, it was just like, you can be Rachmaninoff and you can be Bach, you know, like there was no female role model. There's no female composers. There were like just Mozart being an asshole and like, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, Napster kind of helped. I think, like, it was, like, the first gateway into, like, a, a new a, a new guard, like, a kind of a, a free world, in a sense, like, where you could find other, other voices and other ways of creating music that weren't so rigid. And um, it was just, like, a world of potential, really. I was very musically curious. I mean, of everything I came across, I tried to replicate. And of course, I didn't have the tools. Um, and it wasn't taken seriously by any of my educators. Um, I remember going to a computer store and seeing like super early computer software for like music production. And uh, yeah, there's no way that was happening. <laughs> it was just like, stick to your studies. And I'm like, mm, I guess I'll have to wait until I can do this on my own, you know? Um, it's just like a certain point, like I felt like I was just held back by this like massive institution that was so heavy and reflected very little of me. I mean, a lot of the music is beautiful and I admire it and I love it, but to a degree was not reflecting myself. I was forming other people, other institutions, other belief systems. Yeah, so the impact was huge, immeasurable, really. The cumulative effect of all the music she absorbed through Napster and her ceaseless desire to hear something new results in a signature sound that is inclusive, far-reaching, and difficult to categorize. Coverdale uses the term saturationist to describe her approach. I, I often see it as a form of like color bleeding allowing things to bleed together or meld together. And that's kind of like this commitment to new combinations in music and new combinations in 
composition and kind of this this infatuation with the new. Most of my work has just been trying to create new things, new things, and that's kind of like um, it's been a blessing and a curse to say that kind of um, that commitment to the newness. It means it's not that I don't greatly admire um, standards of Bach, but I just don't think that I'm my my skills are best inclined or like I don't think I would be admitting much if I was, you know, playing those two books and recordings or stuff like that. saturationism is this kind of like a tool that allows me to be artistically creative and thinking of new ways to think about sound and composition like community and um, different contexts for um, new music and concert music and organ music and secular music, sacred music. And I, I'm not as interested in pure exclusivity. I'm, I'm interested in inclusivity and kind of like points of bleed rather than the points of border. Coverdale's compositional approach of integrating her many influences and musical experiences comes together in grand style on the 2017 album Grafts widely acclaimed for its sublime qualities. Graft was written uh, 2016, I believe. When I was in Montreal, um, it was recorded entirely in my home studio. It's a very small room with no windows and had my upright piano in it, my Roland FP7, and I was doing a lot of computer work at the time. It's a, it's a special work because I it it came to be at very artistically in the sense that it was something I lived through in terms of narrative and in terms of the actual essence of the piece and that is very personal and was kind of an, a resolution in my own life. So it was this this cosmic point in time where I would articulate very humanistic ideas with a compositional process I'd been developing over three years or so. And, you know, it's, it's difficult to replicate those points sometimes because it's just a point in the timeline that comes when two points emerge. And that's very much what Graft was, like this meeting point of my compositional rigor at the time and a changing point in my life and that's why the work just sounds so um it's a kind of it sounds like a commitment or like a personal commitment to me and i think that's why it resonated with so many people it's a, it's a personal outpouring in ways and i think that's that that led to the a resonant reception
of it. type of work and that like I'm adding things all the time and then mixing up the pile and then like taking them out and then I add things and then I mix up the pile and take it out like in terms of processing but also in terms of adding to it and that's what the computer lends itself very well to as well or lends itself very well it was this like constant um, kind of like a, a revision over time like a process of decay and, and life. I think of it more as like a, yeah, a, a garden that's been planted over time. And it's kind of, a, a few seasons are in here for sure. I mean, it can, it can happen in, in various ways. You can begin with, say, a melody, and you record it into your program. Then you have a file that you can then work from in myriad ways. Um, the possibilities are endless, but usually I'll drag it into another program, or I like to shelve and and um, really split sounds into half and then marry them with others. And the scrubs that I create, I call them scrubs, it's, it creates these kind of hybrid sounds, which is how I came up with the title grafts as well. This idea of when you're grafting a rose, you're, you can like hybridize things. And this process of, um, it's, it's kind of like bio-organic, thinking but digitally speaking so you can entirely change the character of one thing by breeding it with another not necessarily breeding but like grafting like you're literally just slicing a piece off of uh, a limb and then putting another limb onto it and then tying it up and it grows off like fruit trees do this and I found that to be the most adequate metaphor for what I was doing with files and um, the processing procedure I'd, I was using. So I, it all kind of worked together in that garden sense. I mean, I did a lot of landscaping when I was a teenager as well. So I kind of have this uh, garden mind that follows me everywhere I go. program I was using is a four-channel processor so there are several parameters I kind of think of it like SATB like soprano alto tenor bass usually when I use this particular processor and that I can create four 
complementary voices. You can think of it as a fugue even, or like a canon if you'd like. And you can assemble them into the processor and then kind of continue to harmonize them um, by creating harmonic ratios in, in either pitch or tempo, which are also correlate, but you can um, kind of harmonize totalities is which I, what, is, what I was doing with graphs. So you can have, say, 15 voices in one, in your first voice. So grouping voices, this is going to get kind of technical here. But say you have 15 voices in the first voice, you can make that your root of the triad. And then you can have 15 voices in your second voice, which becomes, say, your minor third. And then another 15 voices in your fifth, your perfect fifth. And then you have... 45 voices total all harmonized to a minor triad. So it's this kind of um, a macro way of organizing tonalities. Does that make sense? I, I feel like I need to be drawing this on a board for it to really come out. But that's what I was doing with the processor at the time. What is macro? a macro way of... How would you, how, can you expand on that? Sure. Um, like micro would be like a micro tonality in this realm of language would be like a single pitch for your first, for your root note of a triad, um, a single pitch for your minor third, a single pitch for your perfect fifth. Um, but when you zoom out, so you have a macro view, there's several more instances within each each instance, which kind of seems like a dot from afar, but there's really actually a lot of stuff in that single pitch. So it's kind of like um, looking down on a on the earth from space and <laughs> you see like uh, North America and you're like, okay, all of North America is gonna be my root note. You just kind of see what I'm saying? And then, like, all of Africa is going to be my minor third. And then you can, like, arrange those entire countries or continents as, like, fish centers or as harmonic entities. So it's like you're moving around a lot of information, but in a very traditional sense of harmonic arrangement. Um, and that's what the computer allows you to do, but it's, it's like a static way of recomposing things so it is kind of electroacoustic in process I guess I often think about organ as like a live a live score and I often think of the computer in the same way like and that you can set up such precise and artistic and interesting combinations and then you just have to like it's all about setting up this architecture an arrangement of sounds or an arrangement of um, variables and then you just play those combinations so in that sense, I think it's very similar to the organ. 
like the, the compositional process of grafts.
You're listening to the Future Stops podcast, an initiative of the Royal Canadian College of Organists. My name is Blake Hargreaves, and I'm your host as we explore the world of the 21st century organ. We just heard today's feature piece, an excerpt from Carolise Coverdale's album, Grafts. The creation of this album coincided with a major change in Coverdale's life. Up until that point, from the age of 13, she was playing regular Sunday services as a church organist, sometimes for multiple congregations. So I, was, I began in Hamilton uh, with a weekly service. And then when I began university, I was traveling back from London to do the weekly services. So I, my Sundays were completely occupied with different churches. I had Hamilton in the morning at 9 a.m. And then we would go to Kitchener-Waterloo. And then I would often do uh, a service in London as well. So there was three different churches I was servicing at, at that time from when I was uh, 17 to 21. And then when I moved to Montreal, I, and I started with St. John's in Montreal. And I was there for four or five years. And then when I started touring internationally, following After Touches in 2015, it was um, impossible to keep up the requirements of the, the weekly, you know, physical <laughs> requirement of being there. So I, um, I stopped at that point and I was 27, I think, or 28 at the time. So it was a natural thing. I feel like I knew it was coming. I missed it a lot because it, it was, it was, it, it was erupt and a little bit melancholy for me in the sense that I had I hadn't realized how much a rooting it was to have a place to go to and perform every Sunday, you know, for that amount of time. It was like such a part of my musical practice on a very deep level. Um, and I had taken for granted the sense of ritual that accompanies the, the um, responsibilities of a, church organist it belongs to one congregation like there's something so beautiful about that commitment the weekly commitment the pipe organ is very strongly associated with church music and classical performance repertoire playing this instrument early in one's musical life can develop strong associations with all things ecclesiastical listening to carolise coverdale's music on the grafts album and learning about the process in its creation of combining sounds suggests a link to the pipe organ's technical and musical capabilities in creating sound colors. Coverdale's upbringing in the Estonian school tradition of early musical education and performance could also be considered a catalyst for her incredible ability to be expressive with sound. Coverdale finds an international audience for her works for solo organ and tours consistently on the instrument in addition to performing her electronic works. We'd like to thank Carolise Coverdale for joining us today. We'll be on the lookout for her next performances when that's possible, and share any upcoming concerts on our Facebook and Instagram, which you should follow if you don't already. And don't forget to subscribe to Future Stops so you never miss an episode. Future Stops is a podcast from the Royal Canadian College of Organists, produced by Andrew O'Connor with Haley Raymond as community manager and executive producer Elizabeth Shannon. I'm your host, Blake Hargreaves.